Hey, 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 what is going on, Cube fam? Hope you guys are doing well. Like I said, I'd be hitting you guys with a lot more podcasts, so I'm back with another. Today, I'm going to grill you guys just a tad bit. Don't take it personally. Um, I did a poll recently uh, just to get a gauge of where things are at with your mindset, and I have to say I was in complete shock at the results So I started this discussion um, in the group chat um, with the subscribers about whether they think I can grow the cube folio from where it is today, 110,000, okay, to $1 million by 2030, investing only in Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, and Microsoft, okay, Fang M. Large majority said no. So then I said, you know what, guys? I think that's because we all have the same mindset. Let me take this to Instagram and see what the general population thinks. And I have to say, guys, I was shocked that nearly 40% of the pollers, okay, of the people who voted, said that I would be able to grow the portfolio from 110,000 to $1 million in this decade, all right, investing only in all of the money divided equally into those companies, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, Google, Microsoft. That would assume a 24% compounded annual growth rate, okay? Now, I personally don't believe this is possible at all. Like, seriously, guys, like at all. I, I don't believe so, and I'm going to walk you through my reasons why. Number one, Apple and Microsoft are in the $2 trillion market cap range right now. Here's where all of these companies would need to be in order for me to hit that million-dollar target that I have for my own personal goal by 2030. I would need Apple and Microsoft to both trade at a $20 trillion market cap, their own, not together, so $40 trillion together. I would need Facebook okay, to grow to an $8 trillion market cap. I would need Google to grow to a $10 trillion market cap. I would need Amazon to grow to an $18 trillion market cap. And I would need Netflix to grow to a $3 trillion market cap. So in in summation, I would need these companies, okay, to equate to 80 trillion dollars in total market value that's about four times u.s gdp guys all right i don't see that happening all right that's just pretty much a 10x okay across all each name because i'm gonna be equally weighted in all of them uh in all these names over the next nine to ten years i i just don't see how that's even remotely possible um So let me just continue as to why, all right? So that's number one, the sheer value that would need to be created uh, in order to pull this off. Number two, okay, Saudi Aramco currently trades around the $2 trillion market cap, okay? They drive in over $350 billion a year in revenue with $211 billion in EBITDA, earnings before interest tax, depreciation, amortization, okay? $211 billion. 
they're, they're, they're driving an EBITDA and they can only carry a $2 trillion valuation. And even that was like, holy cow, how are they even going to bring this to the market? Okay. So that just for comparison of today, now, let me talk a little bit more maybe to Apple, right? Because Apple is more of the fundamentally sound cash flow king, buyback king, you know, so on and so forth. Um, one of the fangs that you can make a harder argument for, fundamentally speaking. So, Apple generally trades around six times sales, give or take, okay? In order to carry a $20 trillion market cap, they would have to, therefore, generate $3.3 trillion a year in revenue, okay? Right now, I did some digging, and the average analyst expects 2023, not this year's revenue on the bounce back from the pandemic, not next year's revenue, 2023 revenue, okay, to come in at $367 billion. That is way, way, way far from the $3.3 trillion we need by 2030, a mere seven years after this projection. And that $367 billion in revenue is only considered 5% growth in 2023, which is followed by, um, well, preceded by, I should say, 4% growth in revenue in 2022. All right, analysts, I believe, are expecting 21% growth in revenue for 2021 because of the bounce back from the pandemic. 5% annually, guys, is not going to cut it and get Apple's revenues to where they need to be, especially as the business matures they're actually going to carry less of a premium multiple because they're becoming more of a value play as opposed to a growth play, okay? Now, you can say, well, you know, Bez, they're going to get into the auto space. They're going to get into all kinds of new services space. Okay, that's they're still going to be $3 trillion away from where they need to be in 2030 to carry the same 6x multiple on revenue, all right? But let me take it a step further. Apple generally trades around 20 times EBITDA. That would imply that they need to drive in a trillion dollars a year annually, okay, in EBITDA to, to satisfy and to garner and to warrant a $20 trillion valuation. Just for reference, Apple is doing about $99 billion a year in EBITDA currently, which is quite a bit away from a trillion. And now this is one of the more fundamentally sound companies out of the fangs. Do you guys think this sounds reasonable that Apple still has a 10x left in it over the next 10 years? I would say no. And, and like I said, keep in mind, I would need on average every one of these holdings to grow 24% annually for the next 10 years in order to hit that number. To turn 110,000 into a million. Don't think it's possible. Let me tell you one more reason why. I pulled some numbers, and over the last 10 years, these are the compounded annual growth rates in performance, okay, stock price appreciation, over the last 10 years, okay, one of the biggest bull market runs we've had, okay, in history. Apple grew you know, stock-wise, performance-wise, 29% annually on average, compounded annual growth rate. Microsoft, 29% as well. 
Facebook, 23%. Netflix, 31.8%. Amazon, 34%. And Google, 15%. So after the insane run that they just experienced, okay? They would almost have to replicate that for the next 10 years. And their growth rates are not going to be anywhere close to where they were in the last 10 years in this next decade here. Because all of these, these companies are maturing. And then now, you throw in you know, issues like, okay, well, where's the future of streaming with Netflix? All right, as I do this podcast, Netflix is actually down 8% post-market because they are feeling competition. They most certainly are. Okay, whether it's from Disney, Hulu... Peacock, you name it. What's the future streaming like in 10 years? Will investors finally require Netflix to start turning over free cash flow? Because they have to invest $17 billion in content this, uh, this year to meet our, our never-ending demand for, for more and more shows. When will they actually hit you know, free cash flow? Because in this next decade, my opinion is these fangs will be held to a new standard, an ultra standard, like an ultra premium standard of, okay, you guys are no longer growing revenues, you know, 100% annually anymore. All right, we're going to have to start treating you like more mature companies. We need to start seeing some significant cash flow. So Netflix is going to be one of the main ones that starts to feel the heat for sure, okay? Uh, what's the future of the internet? What's the future of social media with regards to Facebook? How does antitrust play a factor in this? Uh, will they even allow these companies to get to these valuations? Will they break them up? You know, will we still be using Facebook? Will they become the next MySpace? Will, will Apple become the next BlackBerry? Okay, I, I'm confident we'll still see these companies around, and I'm sure they'll still be dominant because they are reaching the point, in my opinion, of too big to fail. But do you guys see the point that I'm making? I think it is without a doubt in my mind that there is no way if I take my $110,000 and put it equally into Apple, Microsoft, Netflix, Amazon, Alphabet, Facebook, that it's going to be worth a million dollars in 2030. I just don't see it happening. And the reason I'm bringing this up, guys, and I was shocked, mainly because 40% of you nearly thought that I could. And that's why I felt compelled to get on the... Uh, on the podcast here because these are great companies to own. I still think they're great companies. All right. I'm a, I, I sit all the time and I'm not shy to tell you, I am a big investor in Microsoft. I've made great money in Microsoft, but even myself, I understand wholeheartedly that Microsoft is not going to pull weight as much as it has the last five years. Okay. For me or however long it's been at this point over the next five to 10 years, it's just not. What it will be for me, all right, is a nice dividend cash cow when they decide, okay, we're done with the M&A, we're going to slow down on, on, on the investments for growth, we're now going to start sending that cash flow to shareholders through, you know, a really juicy dividend. I get that. And they'll become a more, much more mature company that's not going to see the same kind of growth rates year over year, especially in, 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 in growth in the stock itself. And I understand that. So I don't want you guys to think that these are bad companies. That's not the point I'm making. Rather, what I'm saying is to 
make your expectations a little bit closer to reality and to bring to light that the next 10 years are most likely not going to be as good as the last 10 years or even remotely close, okay? I'm not even sure the portfolio, if I took 110000 would it be worth half a million in 10 years if I put in these companies? Truthfully, that's how I feel. And that's why I really want to come on this podcast is I think these are companies that are great to anchor your portfolio. They have done a great job anchoring me this year because it's been a tough year for growth thus far. Tough year. Okay, and I think it speaks volumes that these names haven't really sold off too much this year because they're starting to be treated more like, like value, not not like almost like a blended value where they kind of have one foot in growth and one foot in value. All right, and the point I'm making here is, as younger investors like ourselves, we need to be thinking about what the next Microsoft, Apple's, Facebooks, Amazons, and so on and so forth are. And that is what I'm looking for nonstop for the subscribers. I can't stress it enough, guys. If you've been considering the subscription, please stop holding off, okay? It's so crucial that you start to alter your mindset from what I'm seeing every day is a trading, 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 first trade, 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 in, out, in, out, scalp this, scalp that, to a much more long-term, find the next fangs, the next blue chips, and stick with them through up and down, all right? It's so much harder than it seems, but this is where the real money is made. I have members that are in their 40s, okay? 50s, some of them, that have owned Facebook since $25 per share. This is the type of investments we need to be finding today. As, as I know my audience is in their mid-20s. Because now this gentleman is going to collect a salary. He's still holding to this day. Facebook's pushing 300 and, 300 and change. He is going to be collecting a salary in dividends for the rest of his life. And now that's where these fangs are so key now. Because they're, they're, they're going to be dividend monsters because they're cash flow kings. But as far as this being, I said in the post, the the key to the promised land that's going to make you help you retire earlier, not for 20-something-year-olds. It's just not. We have to find that new set of investments, and that is what I look for each and every single day. And that is why I believe these last 10 to 15 investments that I've made, I think I'm finding them. And the funny thing is, guys, it only takes really one. All right, It really just takes one of these. You find one of these, you are solid. You are solid, but I truthfully believe I own more than a handful, all right? And that's how I look at the market. And I'm, granted, again, just to remind you, I have positions in these companies. They are amazing at stabilizing your portfolio, you know, rounding it out, giving you a healthy, diversified, you know, good night of sleep, honestly, because it, it helps balance you out. But if you're in your 20s and you're not looking for these next big companies, then I think you're really doing it wrong. Um, and these are just things I really wanted to bring to light. I would also like to say that I am not looking for $50 million companies, $100 million companies, 
that are going to be the next 20, 30, 40, 50 billion dollar companies or hopefully one day trillion dollar companies. That is not what I'm looking for. I believe the sweet spot, in my honest opinion, are companies that have already proven the technology, have a strong patent portfolio, okay, strong IP, um, that are already generating revenues, and now that growth rate is starting to pick up. The moat is there. The vision is there, okay? And the the industry that they're operating in is set for exponential growth because you need to operate in an industry that's going to freaking explode. That's why I like to look in the sweet spot of like billion dollar market caps to like eight, nine, ten billion dollar market caps because I feel like there's much less risk uh, even though maybe you're giving up some return than a $50 million market cap, $100 million market cap because they still haven't proven themselves. They still haven't gotten the revenues underway. So you get a lot of those kinks out when they're when the, when the they're already in that $1 to $5 billion range. And now you're like, okay, this company has proven their product is superior. They have the margins. They have the vision. They're operating an explosive uh industry that's going to change how we do business for the next 15 to 20 years all right now it's going to be bumpy i'm letting you know well in advance it's going to be bumpy and you're already seeing it today but if you go back and look at apple and all these companies early on they were also extremely bumpy if you invested in amazon and ipo at the ipo day before you even saw these returns you lost 99 percent of your of your value in your holdings after the tech bubble bursted in 2000, okay? So you literally lost 99% of your investment. But here you are, Amazon's still up, rocking. I think, I believe it's 200 times higher than the peak of the internet bubble in 2000, which is insane. I believe Intel just passed it, their peak from 2000. It took 21 years to, for Intel to get back to where it was from the 2000 internet bubble. Mind-blowing. But that is what I'm saying, guys. And I, I really encourage you to, to really hit the subscription button because these are conversations we're having every day. I mean, we are testing our holdings every day, having the absolute most in-depth discussions on whether this XYZ company is going to be the next big company. And that's the type of of group of people of pretty much just a, a party of people you need to be in that challenges thoughts, that brings new perspectives into, into play and to have those engaging, thought-provoking discussions in order to help find these next big winners. Because like I said, I don't think for us 20-year-olds, the money to be made, those exponential returns you're hoping for, are going to be made in your Apples, your Microsofts, your Netflixes, and so on. And we are right now, I think post-pandemic, it is such an amazing and, and crucial time because everything is changing so quickly, so rapidly, and you need to be ready. Like Q1 for me was actually a pretty monumental quarter for the cube folio because it witnessed the most turnover I have ever done in my entire life as an investor because things are moving the ground beneath our feet is shifting massively and if and and I, as I wrote to the subs in my 2021 outlook stacked outlook okay that you guys can get access to I said opportunity is here don't blink 
And there's there with all these IPOs and all these SPACs and all these new companies that have come to the market, okay, and all these unicorns, the opportunities are now out there. Okay. For a while, there wasn't nearly as many listed companies on the on the market as there was back in the day. And now we're starting to get that kind of plethora of names hitting the market that can allow us to find new exciting growth names that are in markets and industries that we could never get access to in, in the past. It's a very exciting, unique time, but if your eyes aren't open, it's going to pass you up. So guys, I just wanted to leave you with this important uh, note and just to share my honest feelings about the fangs and where I think our mindsets should be as we look out over the next decade and beyond. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll catch you all in the next podcast.